Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here together in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 244. Got a really good show lined up for you this week in our warm-up segment. We've got our City of the Week. We're going to talk about Player of the Week nominations, our Equipment Tip of the Week, have an interesting Did You Know, a fun listener question, and of course, Paige's Power Play. In our lead-off topic, we're going to talk about what I call recruiting coach speak, which is helping potential recruits maybe sort through some of the things that they're hearing from and coming across when they're dealing with college coaches, just to try to give everybody some perspective uh, to make sure that we're all on the right page. And we'll go to our cleanup topic. We're going to talk about something that I've noticed. Watched a couple of games this weekend, and make no mistake about it, I'm glad that everybody's having fun playing, but I'm starting to wonder about the over-the-top celebrations for the most routine plays. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. This is another one of those old man yelling at the clouds kind of topics. And then our coaching tip of the week, we're going to talk about winter workouts. We had a question from one of our listeners. Uh, Dion wanted us to talk a little bit more about winter workouts. We've uh, talked about it a little bit here in the past, but we want to just kind of give him a few more things to think about that I think will be useful for all our coaches. So before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website, and order your bats, use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. Talking about supporting everything fast pitch and coach prep, let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. As we've been talking about for the last uh, couple of months, we are uh, gaining some momentum. We're adding patrons. We've added quite a few patrons here in the last uh, little bit. But we definitely need more help. We need more support. If you're in a position where you can, please become a patron. You go to patreon.com. Uh, it's either $5, 10 or $20 a month. Uh, as a way to say thank you to our patrons, we're starting to do a Pinnacle Power giveaway. And the winner this week of our patrons is Clay Feliciano. So, Clay, you're going to be getting some Pinnacle Power products uh, in the mail. And Very uh, cool. Yeah. we really do appreciate your supporting everything Fast Pitch. We're also looking at a couple of other things to encourage more patrons. We have not fleshed them all out yet, but we're also uh, looking at some ideas uh, to uh, make being a patron something that has even a little bit more value than just uh, the goodwill of knowing that you're, you're keeping everything fast pitch afloat. So down our warm-up segment is sponsored by Bidinger & Styles. Bidinger & Styles DDS is located in Webster, Mass. If you're anywhere near Webster, Mass, and you have any kind of dental needs at all, uh, the folks at Bidinger & Styles have been supporting this podcast for a long time. We would love for you to support them. Uh, if you do uh, take advantage of their services, make sure you let them know that you heard about it on Everything Fast Pitch. So, Don, our city of the week this week is Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. That's a big one. That's great. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a ironic twist because Omaha is, of course, the uh, center of all things college baseball for the College Men's World Series, right. um, whereas Oklahoma City rules the roost for uh, the Women's uh, Softball World Series. Omaha Men's World Series is something that's just an earmark on everybody's uh, schedule. I know I've kind of grown up watching those games. I'm so old that I can remember watching the Men's College World Series from Omaha, Nebraska, when Barry Bonds was playing in it. (laughs) 
That might so, have been a little while yeah, ago. Yeah, so uh, he was uh, one of uh, many really famous, uh, ultimately very famous uh, professional players, uh, major league players that I can remember seeing in that setting. Of course, back then, Omaha was uh, using a little old uh, a Rosenblatt Stadium, which was a, kind of a minor league stadium. And when they first started showing those games on ESPN, it had that minor league feel to it. You know, you had the uh, signs, you know, the advertising, all that kind of stuff. It was a very exciting atmosphere. But a lot of great players have come through the the ranks there. Now it's a little bit more sanitized. They've got that beautiful stadium. Uh, um, I kind of miss the the old days of watching some of those famous players coming up through the baseball world. So, but obviously Omaha, the numbers jumped up uh, drastically for our listenership. We're always asking all of you to find somebody that you know that is a fan of fast pitch and get them to listen to everything fast pitch. I'm confident that if they listen once, that they'll come back and listen again. Can't help but notice that uh, periodically. When I'm uh, looking through uh, Facebook, and, and I follow a lot of the different Facebook groups for, for fast pitch stuff, just to try to keep an eye on uh, you know, whatever people are curious about or are talking about. There was a post last week, I believe, that I saw where several of you have uh, had mentioned that uh, the Everything Fast Pitch podcast was where people should be going to pick up and, and gain information and gain knowledge. You know, Somebody asked the question of, you know, is anybody listening to Fast Pitch Podcast? Three or four people responded that, hey, you need to listen to everything Fast Pitch. So we certainly do appreciate all the support that we're getting. Appreciate everybody doing the best they can to spread the word about what we're doing. Um, it means a lot to Coach Don and I to see those numbers growing. And obviously, uh, the faster the numbers grow, the more people that listen, the happier we're all going to be. No, I think that's exciting, Tori, for sure. And uh, anytime that they're sharing it, we're, uh, you know, we're growing in numbers and and that's the only way, really, we have spread the word. Right. The, the word of mouth for us has is, is really started to gain momentum, and I think we're seeing it in a lot of places, and that's uh, very exciting to see. So, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, congratulations. You are the city of the week. So, folks, we've hit another one of those lulls. So, it's time for me to uh, guilt you into, uh, make you feel bad, because this week we do not have a player of the week. It doesn't, um, doesn't have to be on the field stuff, right? Right. And, th- yeah. and that's one of the things you know, I, I know right now we're in the holiday season, you know, Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas. There's not a whole lot of softball being played, even though I do have a whole lot of the kids that I work with are playing this uh, weekend Down in, in different places in uh, Florida. We really want you to continue to send us nominations. You know, one of the things that I think keeps happening, people tell me, well, my player did this, but I didn't think it was good enough. You know, my daughter did that, but I didn't think it was important enough. And all I can ask you to do is just send us the nominations, you know, a quick little email to either everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. And let Coach Don and I be the uh, umpires to decide whether it was good enough or not. It's always a little bit disappointing to me when we hit these lulls. And I know we've talked about it a bunch. You know, we'll have stretches where we'll get six or 10 nominations for one week, and then we'll go six or 10 weeks and not get another nomination. It's like people. There's just too many of you listening that have too much going on with your kids um, for us not to have a nomination. It's kind of heartbreaking to me that we're not going to be sending out a t-shirt this week and we're not going to be recognizing a player because I know how impactful it is for the kids that get recognized. Does something great on the field is, is awesome, but if they do something great in the classroom, if they're doing something great in the community, there's all those things too that we want to recognize because you know obviously we believe that there's a lot of things that are important and a lot of things that are worthy of recognition. And so um, again, uh, make those nominations, a quick little email, you know, two or three sentences is all it's going to take. It's going to take you 30 seconds, if that. And again, everything fastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com because we would love to have a backlog again. You know, If thousands of you are listening, the fact that not one of you had a player to nominate is kind of shocking to me. We're going to be tough on them, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. So if thousands of you are listening, nobody has a player worth recognizing. Come on now. Let's, so let's, let's get the... 
get on the computer, send us those emails, and let's uh, let Coach Don and I sort it out. I was going to say engage and get involved. Yeah. All right. All right. So, Don, our equipment tip of the week, let's keep talking about the Square Cuts training desk. No, Tori, again, we hit them every week, and they're durable. They're um, safe with your expensive, fancy bats. They're a neat new product that uh, everybody can gain something from. This past week, we were um, with a couple of students working on some throwing drills. I mean, obviously, we created them for hitting, and, and that's what we primarily use them for, but very easy to see if you're throwing from 12 to 6, if you've got backspin. If you're off on the side, same thing when we're hitting, if you're hitting through the ball and, or if you're peeling off of it. Right. Um, and it just tells on you. It's a good product. It's, uh, again, super durable and it's available. Right. One of the things that uh, we've talked about a lot, and I keep getting questions, well, what's a great gift for my coach? What's a great gift for my player? What's something I can give to the uh, coach to say thank you? And to my way of thinking, something like the Square Cuts training discs are the perfect gift for a coach. It's a way for you to give them something that they can use to help their growth as a coach, to help their team continue to get better. It's definitely a unique idea compared to the typical gift card or, or Every, Starbucks or whatever. Everybody says, I've never seen those before. Right. You know? And you know, we were talking a little bit ago about how uh, we're gaining momentum. One of the places we're definitely gaining momentum is that the Square Cuts training discs are starting to sell themselves. People use them once. They have a friend that uses them and brings them to practice. They have a coach that brings them practice and all of a sudden you know people are seeing the value in it and so um, again the word of mouth on it is a really important part of of what we're hoping will continue to to grow but it's such a versatile tool and very affordable 49.95 a dozen you go to the fastpitchprep.com website front page has got an order button you click on the button they'll take you through the steps we'll get them shipped out to you right away i think we're just about in that uh, red zone now for getting them in time for christmas but we'll certainly get them shipped to you as soon as we get the orders and we would love for everybody to have a set. It's a very useful tool. As Coach Don mentioned, it's great for hitting. It's great for throwing. It's great for pitching. It's great for fielding. It's something that the list of ways to use it has grown so much more than what I ever expected because I thought we were creating a hitting disc. That's what it was, right? Yeah. So, um, And obviously, our customers are, are a lot smarter than us about thinking about <laughs> ways that you can get more value out of them. So, Don, did you know, I was listening to the In the Circle podcast. I listen to those guys pretty regularly. You know, their, their focus is much more on news of what's going on in the world of college softball. You know, they talk a lot about, you know, results and team previews and those kinds of things. But they're also talking about something that I'm hopeful will be a trend that we're going to see carry over into college softball. So did you know that this year the NCAA has started to experiment with seeding the tournaments out further than they have in the past? So seeding, meaning doing a, a more thorough job, going deeper into the tournament for figuring out where teams really fit in the pecking in the order mix, yeah. so that instead of you know always having the same three or four schools going to the same regional because they're close to each other, that in volleyball and soccer this year, uh, they seeded out to 32 total teams, which means that you might have a, two teams in Florida or two teams in Georgia that are very close to each other getting to go away and play farther away because one might be the number one seed, one might be the number 17 seed. And in the past, being the number 17 seed meant nothing. And so that number 17 seed could very easily be going, you know, three hours down the road to that powerhouse school that's in their state. I mean, I loved when we were successful and we would win the uh, conference tournament and qualify for the NCAA tournament. When I was coaching at Tennessee Tech, we had a three-year run where we went every year. And every year we went someplace that we'd already played those schools earlier that year. 
were always traveling to Tuscaloosa, always traveling to Knoxville and those kinds of places. And it just got to be a little bit heartbreaking for our team because, you know, here you have this big giant accomplishment. And then because of the uh, 400 mile radius rule and being able to ride a bus to Knoxville versus taking a flight to California, right? we were always on the bus to Knoxville or Tuscaloosa or Athens or whatever it was. And it was kind of encouraging to me. I hope that uh, from the discussion that, uh, that uh, they had on In the Circle the other day, this has not been approved yet for softball, but it sounds like it's something that's definitely in the works. And I think that would go a long way towards adding a little bit more spice and a little bit more variety for the players that are qualifying for the NCAA tournament. No, I think that's exactly right, Tori. And, and part of the whole collegiate schedule is when you get to go and do things and see places and, and compete against people that you've not seen before. Right. And if you're constantly battling with the same group, I mean, we do it because that's, you know, what we do, but to have a little bit of variety and spice, like you said, it's exciting. Right. So it's, well, and, and to use our Tennessee Tech example, I mean, you know, that was during the height of the Monica Abbott domination of, of college softball. And you know, we, we loved facing against Monica because she was so amazing that it was yep. a challenge. It was, you know, definitely a way for us to, to test ourselves. But it was also a little bit heartbreaking to know that okay, guess what we're going to get to do? We're going to we're going to be the number four seed, and guess what? We're going to see Monica again. Right. So I think that this is an exciting thing. If if you want to get a little bit more insight into it, you can listen to the In the Circle podcast where they talked about it. But it's something that I'm hopeful will gain some momentum. I know it's experimental this year for volleyball and uh, soccer. I watched the volleyball selection show the other night to see how that was working for them and it Could really spread uh, things out a little bit right well a perfect example in the state of florida you've got five or six division one schools that are all you know relatively close to each other and you know how many years has it been that you know like ucf either goes to florida or they go to florida state for the softball tournament right you know south florida goes to florida or they go to florida state fiu or fau or one of those schools has a really good year where are they going to go they're going to go to florida or they're going to go to florida state there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no variety to it. And as we so, said before, it's a little bit disappointing. Well, and some of the stronger teams might end up getting bumped before the next layer, right? Right. Yeah. Well, no, and I think what has happened in the past is you might have one regional that would have, you know, maybe three teams in the top 30 right. or more, you know, maybe in the top 20 all in one region. But all but one get bumped. Right. And then yeah. one team wins it and two other really good teams are getting knocked out, whereas, you know, some other regions might not have had that same level of competition, the same kind of challenge. And so from a coach's perspective, from a player's perspective, I think that the idea of seeding the tournament out further will go a long way towards making it a little bit more exciting for the teams and a lot more fun for the players and give them all a chance to have a little bit more variety in what's going on. So, Very cool. Did uh, you know? That, yeah. was, that was a fun one. So, Don, our listener question comes to us from Kelly. Kelly said she's coaching a travel team. She does not say what age group, but she was kind of surprised because she said, you know, that she really likes her team, really enjoys the group of kids, and they added a couple of new players this year, and everybody seems to be fitting in great, getting along great, you know, everything's joyful. You know, joyful. Yeah. yeah. And out of the blue, she got a phone call from the coach of one of her new players, former coach of one of her new players, basically just dumping all over this kid and her family. Um, unsolicited, was went, not asked went out for. Of their, went yeah, out of their way that, to that, do that? that? The former coach went out of their way to reach out to the new coach. Kind of a Ma red flag on, on the other end there. Yeah so, yeah, so I wanted us to talk about that a little bit because to me, you know, I think it's something that is just kind of human nature sometimes that if we have a player who's on our team that just doesn't get along, just doesn't fit in for whatever reason, 
that we're always looking for reasons or always looking for explanations or excuses or whatever it might be. But if a player leaves your team, then what difference does it make to you? Why is it important enough to you to reach out to their new team and try to poison the well, so to speak, before that player you know even has a chance to establish themselves? I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to equate in my head too. And unless maybe in the back of your mind, you're wondering if they're creating a negative view of where they came from. Right. Well, so so just in case they're doing that, I'm going to make sure I call and yeah and let them know that it wasn't me well the the thing that i I think uh from the tone of kelly's email she really likes this player really feels like this was a great addition to her team and was really kind of put off and kind of offended by the fact that another coach felt like they needed to protect her from this terror of a player that that somehow infiltrated her team you know her point was you know i'm I'm a grown-up i can decide if i made a good choice or a bad choice if the player doesn't work out it's on me but i'd don't need their old coach telling me all the reasons why that that player didn't work out for them. The, the old coach wanted the last shot. Checkmate or whatever on the, right. on the discussion. The reason I thought it was worth discussing is, especially when we're talking about players in the 10 and under, 12 and under, 14 and under ranges of ages, these players are growing, maturing, changing so drastically. Just learning. Yeah. Right. That to try to you know attach that scarlet letter to a player because maybe when she was on your ten and under team she didn't have a great attitude or didn't have a good work ethic or whatever mm-hmm. that somehow that means that it's your job to protect the softball world from this menace ten, of ten, a player old terror right yeah and uh, and the reason I think it's important is because obviously you know it sounds like you know from the early returns that you know Kelly's really happy to have this player on her team and even if that player was a problem on the old team. So what? That's part of the process. If this player has changed, if she's grown, if she's matured a little bit, if maybe she really Just wasn't f- that big of a problem and the coach had a problem with her for some other reason. You never know for sure how all these things fit together. Yeah, maybe just a fresh start, like you're saying, right. you know, with a clean slate and there's no behind the scenes anything or previous experiences as all that player might have needed, right? Right. Well, and again, not knowing all the circumstances. Of, right. Yeah. Well, and but I think the reason that this is worth talking about and, and answering Kelly's questions is I'm excited that she's you know gone into it with this new player with a clean slate and giving her every opportunity to just prove herself without you know even worrying about past baggage. As I think with uh, young players, that's what we definitely need to be doing more of. Um, you know, we need to give them uh, an opportunity to prove that they've changed or grown or whatever. And as you said, Don, we never really know the whole story. So if a player was problematic on your team, there's no way of knowing whether it's something she did, something you did, some combination of the both of you, some combination of other players on the team, you know, her parents, your parents, other parents. I mean, you know, there's just all kinds yeah. of dynamics that could could have affected their their relationships. You know, given a, a new player on your team every opportunity to prove to you what they are, who they are, and what they're going to do, I think is a much better position to take than worrying about other people's opinions or worrying about other people's impressions of a player when they come to your team. Yeah, no, it sounds like, and it was Kelly, I believe, but yeah. it sounds like, uh, you know, they're going to be very open-minded and and let that player have a, a fresh start regardless of what's said otherwise. So right. And, I, and I, I to the that's... coach that did the reaching out, dude, you need to grow up. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's get over yourself a little bit. You know, maybe, maybe this kid just needs a new, as you said, Don, just needs a new change of scenery i'm thinking with the previous team maybe she showed up late all the time because that team was located 
further away and they hit traffic all the time. Right. So they gave them grief and then they got off on a bad note at practice. So they were, you know, uncomfortable with the other kid. You know, who knows what it right. could, it could have been something as simple yeah. as that. Or, or it could be something just as simple as, you know, the personalities, personalities and, uh, yeah. player that left to go to the other team, maybe was competing with, you know, one of the coach's kids or something like that for playing time. Maybe it was, yeah. there's a thousand things that it could be. That, that would you know sour a relationship between a coach and a player on one team. But coaches, if a player leaves your team, wish them well. Be thankful that yeah. you had a chance to work for work with them. The old golden rule, I think, that all of our grandparents told us when we were little, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Right. So you didn't have anything good to say, so you broke the golden rule. There you are. All right. So, Kelly, thank you very much. Your uh, Everything Fast Pitch t-shirt's in the mail. And really do appreciate all of our listeners uh, when you have questions or ideas. I have a couple of topics today that we get to talk about based on things that were brought to our attention by listeners. Um, and again, the same emails that you're going to use to send in your Player of the Week nominations. So you can make Ta- the email them in there yeah, make the email yeah. a little bit longer, nominate your Player of the Week, and then ask us a question or give us a topic idea, something that you would love for Coach Don and I to talk about, because we definitely like talking about stuff that you're interested in. So Don, that's going to take us to this week's edition of Pages Power Play. Hey guys, it's Paige here, and I'm really, really excited to share with you a little bit about our relationship with worry and wonder. I know, sounds a little bit weird, but something I've been talking about with the girls this week is that we come into this world, we're born with this infinite curiosity, like no worries. I actually was working with one of my athletes, and she's a little bit younger. And her mom told me that after we, she hopped off our call, she's like, I just love getting on these calls with Paige and talking about our mindset and working through it because it kind of feels like the Lion King's like Hakuna Matata. And she started singing Hakuna Matata because she's like, I just feel like I have no worries after. And it just made me laugh. And I just loved it so much. I'm like, gosh, I hope that I give all athletes that that sense of when we work through our thoughts when we work through the struggles when we work through worries that they feel like they're uh, they can just go and sing hakuna matata <laughs> anyway as, as kids as children we we always have these big dreams these things that we want to be when we're older and those are kind of typically like you know i want to be an astronaut i want to be uh, a doctor i want to be the president right like these big audacious goals and dreams. And slowly, our wonder and our dreaming is socialized by the world and replaced with worry, right? And what we are supposed to do and what people think we should be doing and what everyone else thinks our path should be. And I I tend to think of this as, as an athlete. For me, it was like, okay, you know, I'm supposed to play club softball. And then I'm supposed to be on the best teams. I'm supposed to get good grades so that eventually I can get a scholarship to play in college. I'm supposed to be on the 18 gold team and then play division one softball, which those are absolutely things that I wanted to do. So I'm not like saying that's not what I wanted, but I think that as athletes, there's so much pressure to do it this one way. And, um, I think as also in the real world and like our culture says, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, do well, work your way up and then get married, have kids. (laughs) It's supposed to be this perfect little timeline. And that's, we put pressure on ourselves to be on this perfect timeline, retire at this age, you know, whatever it might be. 
sometimes I think when we're we're pressured to to do everything the way that we think, and I'm putting like air quotes around it, sometimes we feel like we're missing out on what maybe we truly want to do or what we're truly passionate about or the way that following our gut and following our our truth. And I want the athletes that I work with to know that we are capable of far more than we think when we stop listening to the critic inside our own head. I want to teach them and I want them to learn that at every moment, every challenge, every struggle, every story in our mind I want them to see those things through a lens of more wonder and curiosity so that they can be ignited and motivated and open up their mind to more possibilities that we don't even know exist sometimes because we are putting limits on what we're, what's actually possible for us and what is possible for us and finding more truth. I want athletes to know what is possible. This week we've been talking about, you know, what is our relationship with worry like? What is our relationship with wonder? And what would we want our relationship with wonder to be like? Just to start to notice when we're worrying, what worry is doing to us, how we can wonder more, how we can get be more curious, how we can see through a lens of wonder and open up our mind to more possibility. So this was just a really great week. You know, I don't have like a whole lot of like sign them up for this or that. But if this is something, these are the conversations that you want your daughter to be a part of, definitely reach out to me. You can always uh, reach out to me uh, through my website or through Instagram. Uh, my website's pagetons.com. My uh, Instagram's pagetons. If you guys have questions, if you want your daughter to start working more on her mindset and opening up her mind to more possibilities rather than limiting herself, like I'm here to support her and you. I'm really excited for this this upcoming year. I'm going to be doing a lot more athlete workshops. I'm going to continue to have parent workshops serving both sides of things. So that's what I got tonight. I hope that this starts to get you thinking about our your maybe even your own relationship with wonder or worry. So have a great day or night or wherever, whenever you're listening to this and a great week. And I'll talk to you all soon. All right, Don. So every week I say the same thing. Paige is a rock star. If we're not taking advantage of her programs, we are missing the boat. You know, she gives you these nice little snippets, these little tidbits of information um, that I think are very, very useful. But the real payoff, the real absolute change that you're going to see is by signing up for one of her programs, getting your kids involved, the things that she's going to do to help them be more confident, more comfortable, more have more fun playing the game is the best investment I think you can make. I was going to say, when you reach out to Paige, tell her that, uh, you know, we uh, pushed you in that direction and then let us know how it goes. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm totally confident, 100%. I wouldn't say it every week if I didn't believe it. If I had a child that was still playing the last team that I coached, I'm I'm so convinced that Paige's programs are important. I signed up the whole team for one of her programs. You know, Very that was cool. like a, yeah. a a gift from me to them. That was my Christmas gift to them was to sign them all up for one of Paige's programs, and I know those kids really enjoyed it. So. Very cool. All right, so Don, that's going to take us to our leadoff topic. Leadoff topic is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite's located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is six seven eight three seven seven zero two seven zero. You can also contact them at elite sports orders at yahoo.com. Um, anything you need, bats, balls, gloves, spirit wear, uniforms, the whole nine yards. 
folks at Elite are happy to help you. They'll happily ship anywhere in the United States. If you have an issue, a problem that you need solved, reach out to the folks at Elite and they'll do everything they can to get get you squared away and get you taken care of. Don, had this uh, discussion with a, with a listener about trying to help them and trying to understand as they're going through this process of recruiting, going to camps, going to showcases and things like that, that as they get to the age and, the, and when they are the age where they're having conversations with coaches, having discussion with college coaches, that there's certain things and certain uh, topics that are discussed, certain ways of delivering information that sometimes means something, sometimes means something totally different, sometimes doesn't really mean anything at all. And trying to help the, the listeners, especially those that have kids that are of that recruiting age, understand that there's a whole lot of stuff that gets said in this process that does not necessarily mean that this coach loves your daughter or loves your player so much that they've got a scholarship burning a hole in their pocket trying to give it to them as soon as they can. And so I think that it's important because I think that what happens we all suffer from selective hearing sometimes. Especially you know? if it's in my favor. Right. And so that selective hearing, I think, is something that all parents and players kind of have to pay attention to because, you know, something that is well-intended and complimentary, you know, nice things being said might just mean that the person's being nice. Might not mean that they're really that interested in recruiting you. Why don't us to kind of talk about it a little bit because from our perspective, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to help people sort through and make sense out of the recruiting process and how they're interacting with the coaches that they deal with. And so I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about it a little bit because I think uh, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of stuff that's happening that can mislead somebody who's not maybe thinking about it as clearly as they should be. No, and I think clarifying some of that stuff too, Tori, is important so that you don't discontinue your journey or your search just because somebody said, hey, you had a really good workout, Tori. And you know, I like the way you carried yourself and you did a great job. Those kind of things can, uh, again, sound like something super exciting, which it might be. Right. But might also just mean, like you said, you know, being polite and courteous and, and just complimentary. Right. Well, there's, there's things that happen through this process. So number one, just because a college coach is reaching out to you or showing some interest in you does not necessarily mean that they're going to be recruiting you right or or that you're a high priority recruit for that for that school and for that program you know one of the things i hear all the time is a player will get an introductory email they'll get a camp invitation uh, they'll get something like that that is really a very generic you know step in the process of trying to just get the ball rolling a little bit and instantly turn that initial little bit of interest or communication into a well, I guess that means they're going to offer me a scholarship kind of leap of faith. It's a recruiting letter. And so that's the first one. You're going to get correspondence. And one of the things that I think all programs do is they invite players to camp. So let's talk about the invitation to camp first. So there are a lot of things to be aware of when all this is happening. And a lot of schools do a really good job of marketing their camps, marketing their programs, those kinds of things to try to encourage as many players to attend as they possibly can. But there's very little that goes with that initial invitation to a camp or, or that you know, very first you know, reach out uh, communication that clearly indicates that you're a high priority recruit. And I think that's the first thing that sometimes people have to you know, make sure that they understand that they're getting invitations, partly because you know, it could be that a coach is really interested and wants to get to know more about you. Could be the coach is marginally interested, doesn't really know very much, and they think that'd be a good first step. It might be that somebody asked the coach to invite you because they 
think that you'd be a good fit for that school and the coach having a relationship with your travel ball coach or your school ball coach or whoever it might be invites you because of that connection and they don't really know anything about you at all. And there's also the generic uh, email uh, that goes out to everybody that they can get an email address from because they want to encourage as many kids as they can to come to camp from the last tournament that they went to right right you yeah. know the you know the, the the mailing lists and the the you know, address books and stuff like that that people put together you know so I think that you know that's that's the first thing is trying to make sure that we're understanding that that first invitation to camp is really just that it's just like uh, the very first piece of the equation. No, I could see how that could be confusing too, Tori, because I think in the past we've we've all known somebody that was invited to a camp and and that was just a, an effort for uh, the coaches to be able to have more access to this high profile player right. that, you know, might be being recruited by multiple places. But yeah, if they get me on campus, then they're able to interact more with us. Right. So and and if that's kind of what our hope and desire is there, I could see how that could be a little confusing. Right. And I, I think it's very confusing for the for the families and for the players, because depending upon how things are worded, what's exactly said, you know, I think that there's a lot of gray area that can be very confusing. And, and, and again, if we go to selective listening or selective reading, you know, hey, we really would like to get to know more about you can turn into something very different uh, depending upon how you're reading it couple of examples. When I was coaching at Tennessee Tech, we did our holiday camp. And our holiday camp was a big success. We'd have 300 kids-ish every year. And you know, of those 300 kids, there was always a pile of them, pretty high percentage of them, you know, 50, 60, 70, that we knew a little bit about, knew enough about that we were hoping that they would come to camp so we could get to see them and get to know a lot more about them. But there were also a bunch of kids that were younger players or kids that maybe we weren't 100% sure we were even interested in that we would invite to camp just because we wanted them to attend and, and learn from the college coaches that were there. And obviously it was you know part of our, our program, you know, a way for us to support our program and support our assistant coaches was you know through the income from the, the holiday camp. You know, I worked the Tennessee Christmas camp almost every year and you know, there they would have 300, 350 kids. And out of that number, I'm sure that there was a percentage that w Tennessee was really interested in recruiting, with, you know, yeah. that, that were the high priority kids that they really wanted. And then probably another bunch of kids that were kind of on their radar and then a whole bunch of kids that they hoped would come to camp. The reasons for the invitations, I think, vary drastically. But I think, you know, what we want to keep thinking about from a player perspective and as a parent perspective is trying to be as realistic about your options and about your place in the food chain as we possibly can, dream schools, the places that everybody really wants to play, and whether or not you know my going to those camps or invest a lot of time and effort in trying to get to those schools, whether it's just a realistic fit or not. It's totally tough, Tori, and I know I've had some students that have gone across multiple states to go to a school's camp, yeah. and then when they get back home, you know, it's like, well, how'd it go? And it's like, well, the camp was okay, but they're crushed because there was no interaction. There was no recruiting type questions asked. There was nothing like that. It was just a camp. And they were highly disappointed because, you know, they're excited about their skill level and, you know, thought that they would make a good impression and they may have. But sometimes it's uh, more just a camp, like you're saying. And, you know, before we make the commitment and investment and, you know, going long distances to these camps 
um, we have to be realistic, like you said, about right. where we're at and what, what might be happening. Right. And, and again, the whole selective interpretation is part of the, the, the challenge. And one of the things that's always hardest, I think, for players and, and their parents is to really understand where they fit in the, the softball hierarchy. Tell the story all the time of you know being at that coach's clinic with Tim Walton, where he basically laid out for somebody that he's looking for the top one percent of the players in the country. Right. So you know when we started kind of going through, well, what does that mean? Well, are you the best player on your team? Well, yes. Okay. Are you the best player in your county? Are you the best player in your state? Are you the best player when you go to Colorado and you play in a tournament with two hundred other teams or whatever? And and when we start saying no to some of those questions. Then the idea of Florida, Oklahoma, UCLA, Oklahoma State, those kinds of places is probably a little bit more of a stretch. And that's where we just need to be hopefully a little bit more realistic. Yeah. No, when you say the top player in the state, they're they're getting two or three of those from the entire country. Right. Top player in the state. And that's yeah. it. That's the first thing we want to make sure that we're being realistic about that. So when I'm a pretty good player, a really good player, and I get invited to a camp, there's nothing wrong with me going to that camp. But let's just make sure that, as you said, Don, that we don't go into it thinking, you know, they're going to roll out the red carpet and show me everything, and I'm going to try on a uniform while I'm there. And it turns out that you, know, you were just one mu- of the faces in the crowd working with the coaches. I was going to say, because it must be that way, because they invited me across a couple of states right. to get there. Yeah, and and even when we did the, you know, the Tennessee Tech holiday camp, we had one year we had kids from like 35 states. That was, I, I think there was yeah. one there. It was pretty good. Kids from California yeah. come to Tennessee. Yeah. Right. And so now, you know, and in, in that setting, you know, it was, you know, 30 different colleges all there working at the camp. So there was a lot of different opportunities for players to work with different college coaches. Which was cool. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but so that, that's the first thing. Second thing is, let's say you go to a camp or you go and have some sort of interaction with, uh, with the coaches at a certain school. So we talked about this a little bit before that we have to listen very carefully to what's being said when we're having those conversations. And if if somebody says something like, Don, I think you're an amazing player. You're somebody that we would really love to recruit. That's one message. If that same coach says something like, Don, I think you're a really good player. Or somebody else says, Don, you made a good impression. We're happy that you came to our camp. All three of those mean drastically different things. Sure. So we have to kind of, you know, again, put the filters on the conversation, put the filter on what's being said, because sometimes, and I think this is my impression, not even sometimes, I think 99% of the time, the college coaches are going to do everything they can to leave a player with a positive impression of their interaction with them. Yeah. And so even if a player shows up, let's say you got a hundred kids at camp and the player that you're talking to right now is the 100th best player there, you're still going to hear things like, well, if you keep working hard, you know, the future's really bright. You keep doing what you're doing and Good something th- good's going to happen. You know, if, yeah. you, if you keep, you know, you know, keep dedicating yourself to this game, you know, you're going to open all kinds of doors. Well, if you're the hundredth best player at their camp, the chances of them recruiting are about 0%. But they're still saying those nice things, but it's going to be because they're being nice, because they're trying to encourage you, because they want you to keep working hard and those kinds of things, not so much because it means that, they're interested in recruiting you. And I think that's the one that I want us to really kind of jump into a little bit today, because I think that's really problematic, because what I think is happening is common courtesy and people being nice and being encouraging is being turned into and being heard as, they think I'm a really good player. They think I'm a player that can play here. They think I'm a player they're going to give a scholarship to. Well, that's what we want to hear, right? So it's easy to get that confused or to 
you'll be dreaming that into the scenario. Right. For sure. But like I think you said a little while ago too, just being legitimate and, and realizing where where I do fall into that chain or that I am the hundredth player in, in the one hundred kid camp and being able to I guess realize where I fit. Right. Yeah. When, and the that that's something I think that's all part of this, you know, what does coach it's, speak really mean? It's tough. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's hard to say. There's a message in everything that a college coach says, but I think you have to listen carefully and make sure that you're listening closely to sort through the, are they just being nice? Are they encouraging me because they want me to keep working hard? Or are they encouraging me because they think I'm a really special player that could play for their program? And that's a, a difficult thing to do, but that's why we want to kind of jump into this discussion today and why why this listener and I had the discussion we had, because um, I think in in their situation, they're hearing enough nice things that it's gotten confusing. And they haven't heard the the absolute yes or no, but they keep hearing encouraging things. And again, encouragement is one of those things. That there's lots of reasons why a college coach can be encouraging you. One, just because they like you. Two, because they think you have potential. And if you keep working really hard, you might become a player that they recruit. It might be because, you know, as you said, Don, you traveled across four states to come to our camp and we know you spent a lot of time and money to be here and we just want to make sure that you know we appreciate you doing that right and so all those things are part of this equation well what do you think about this too tori we've had so much oddity in recruiting scenario between covid between getting extra years between the portal all these different things as well some of these college coaches might not really know you know, what venue they're going to be acquiring some of their players. Right. And, and we want to make sure that we don't close any doors on kids that are really good, right? but not be over-encouraging because we do have these new situations with transfers and stuff like that. Yeah, no, and I think that, that all, those, uh, yeah, all yeah. those wild cards are one more thing that's made this already even more complicated than it was. The moral to the story is don't confuse encouragement with interest. Don't confuse niceness with interest in you as a potential recruit or a scholarship offers in the, in the waiting. You know, not that long ago, I did a, a camp at a very high profile school. I'm not going to mention the school because this isn't going to sound all that flattering to, to the coach that said it. But while I was working at that camp, this is about seven years ago now, eight years ago now. And basically at the start of the camp, we had like a staff meeting of all the, of all the coaches. And, you know, she kind of laid out for us what to expect, what was going on, kind of earmarked for us, you know, the six or seven players that were there that she was definitely recruiting and basically kind of look, but don't touch, you know, you know, look, but don't talk kind of thing. Like kind of, we'd be like violating the, the rules of the, the land. If we, if we tried to recruit those players, she was specifically targeting, but there was about 250 kids at the camp and there were seven that she had on her list of the kids that she was really interested in. Right. And one of the coaches, you know, basically said, well, you know, how about the other, you know, 240 kids? Is it okay if we talk to any of them? And she said, you can talk to any of those kids you want. Somebody else, you know, kind of the conversation kind of went back and forth a little bit. And what she said next kind of put the whole thing into perspective for me. She said, there's kids here that I'm recruiting. And then there's kids here who are customers. And I need both. I right. need the kids that I'm recruiting because I want to get them to come to school here. I need the customers because I need kids to pay to come to this camp even though I have no interest in recruiting any of them. And that's the harsh that's reality the of take. it, right? Yeah. And, and again, so what's seven out of 250? 5%, right. 
3%, whatever that percentage is, I'm not very good at math off the top of my head, but let's say 6% of the kids at the camp were kids that she was really interested in, but all 250 were encouraged to attend because they were customers. Um, and I think that's, you know, just that way of thinking about it. If, if, uh, if our listeners are kind of curious about what's going on or how they fit in or where, the, where, how interested that coach really is, just understand that for a lot of these programs, there is a line between kids that we're really interested in and kids that we just want to come to camp. Yeah. And again, I, I always draw back on that. That doesn't mean it's a waste for anybody. Right. Oh, no. And that's, yeah. uh, and again, that's, uh, but that's why I think this is a, an important discussion. You know, we, we talk about it all the time. You know, is it a good investment to spend a ton of money to go to a camp? Well, it depends on why you're going. What's, what you're looking right. for. If you're right. going to Oklahoma's camp because you think Oklahoma is going to recruit you if you go there, that's one that reason be, to go. Yeah. If you're going to Oklahoma's camp because they're obviously great coaches with a great program who are on the cutting edge of this game, that know things that stuff, other people yeah. might not know that are really, you know, you know, doing an amazing job and you want to go there to learn from them see what the best and become a better, better yeah. player and, and see how you stack up with some of the best players, then that's a whole other reason. Sure. Right. But we just need to make sure that people know which group they're in before they start writing those checks. We've talked about- you <laughs> To know, not the, end up disappointed. Right. And we've yeah. talked about you know the Florida camps. If you're going to a Florida camp because you want to learn from Tim Walton, go. Yeah. You know, if you're going because Florida's got great weather and you want to enjoy some nice you know sunshiny days when other parts of the country aren't so sunshiny, I mean, go. Yeah. But if you're going there specifically because if you go to you know enough of their camps, they're going to recruit you, I think is a, is a trap that a lot of people fall into. And it ends up just being disappointed. One last thing, and then we'll move on to something else. You know, we always talk about nobody wants to be the person that shatters a player's dreams. That's why it's so hard for kids to get an honest assessment, because even if a parent or a coach, you know, like a travel ball coach or school ball coach looks at a player and says, you know, Don, you're a great kid, you're hardworking, but there's no way in the world that you could play at Florida or Oklahoma. You're turning, or, you're turning me off big time, right? There. Right. It, right. When, when I'm the the person who says that to you, I become the enemy. I you, become you don't the, believe in me anymore. Right. And, the the yeah. dream crusher. Yeah. Well, the college coaches don't want to be the dream crusher either until they absolutely have to be. So even though a coach can you know look at a player after a camp and say, "There's no way that this player can play for us," they're not going to say it until it gets down to the point where they have to say it. So they're going to keep encouraging. They're going to keep saying nice things. They're going to keep you know telling you to work hard. And, and if you keep working hard, your dreams could come true kind of thing. But that doesn't mean that at the end of the day that they think you're really a prospect or somebody that they're going to recruit. It just means that they're being decent human beings. And they also don't want to be the person to make you mad or break your heart because they're going to be the one that tells you, sorry, you can't play at Oklahoma or Florida or UCLA. No. And again, that's going to be told in the end anyway. Right. So... But I think it's it's always a good topic for conversation because I can't tell you how many times somebody got the most generic, you know, introductory email from me and then turned that into thinking that I'm offering them a scholarship. And it's like, well, we haven't even met face to face yet. Well, I know, but you said that you really thought I was a good player in that email. Well, yeah, but I talked to a lot of good players. Tori, I accept. All right. So Don, that's going to take us to our cleanup topic. Our cleanup topic is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. 
If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. And again, make sure you take advantage of that EFP10 discount. It's a great way for you to save 10%. Again, we want to say thanks to the folks from Pinnacle uh, for doing our patron winner giveaway. Again, Clay Feliciano is getting some free Pinnacle Power product because he's been supporting the podcast. Tori, we talked to uh, Lou, and Lou is our contact there at Pinnacle. He had mentioned that they've got some um, new products that you need to go online there and check out. They've got their uh, specialty items that have uh, M&M and some different variety of flavoring. And if you get on there and check it out, he said everybody will be excited about the new product. Cool. And again, so thank you very much to the folks at Pinnacle. So Don, been to a few games, watched some highlights on, on YouTube, and here's something I'm trying to get my head wrapped around. Yes, I want us to have fun. Yes, I want us to be excited. Yes, I want us to enjoy playing the game. But how excited should I really be when I catch a pop-up or get a force out at home plate or make the most routine tag play in the history of this game? Typically, we got to have some type of celebration, right? Well, typically, <laughs> being Can't just happy throw it around yeah, and be, be done with it. Be, being happy that you made the play is one thing. Being happy that you know that you know your team did something positive is great. I mean, all those things are worth being excited about being we, happy we could do about. that with some eye contact right. and a thumbs up right but the thing i'm seeing now over and over again is the first inning of the game and somebody makes a, a tag play at the plate or a, you know throws somebody out on a steal or whatever it is people are spiking balls and jumping up and down and pumping their the, fists the end, and the end zone and all this like really over the top kind of thing and again I, i'm all for you know celebrating when something big happens but maybe we need to spend a little bit of time trying to understand that there's a difference between the stuff that you should expect you can do, the stuff that should be, you know, like normal that you expect it to happen, kind of routine stuff, and the stuff that's really worth getting very excited about. <laughs> because, you know, to me, we're, we're really blurring the line between those two. Might take away from the really special one, right? Yeah. Here's, here's my example. Girls trying to score from second, two outs. Coach at third base being aggressive because there's two outs sends a runner on a situation where it's single in the outfield. Yes, base it up the middle. Center fielder comes up and throwing the girls barely to third base, and the coach is still sending her when that throw is coming out of the center fielder's hand. Counting on a bad throw, right? So, so hoping that she's going to throw it halfway up the backstop or whatever. Well, she throws a nice one hopper to the catcher. The catcher catches the ball and basically waits for like three seconds and then tags the girl. The girl, you know, bare, you know, kind of half-heartedly slides, not but just kind of not even a bang bang. Yeah, play. no, not even a close play. And honestly, if I would have been the third base coach, I would have been frustrated that she didn't try to get into a rundown or something because she was so clearly going to be out. You know, she just kind of did the courtesy slide to make it look like she was still trying a little bit. But you know, the catcher came out of that play, jumping up and down, spikes the ball like in the dirt right in front of the girl who's you know kind of you know half-heartedly slid into home plate. And jumped up and down and ran around like they just won the lottery or won, you know, won the College World Series or something. And you know, I don't always know the whole story behind stuff that's happening. You know, maybe you know, it's their number one rival. Maybe it's a team they really don't like. Maybe it's a player she really doesn't like. Maybe it's a team she used to be on. There's all you know, kinds of things that could be playing behind the scenes. 
I couldn't help but think, if you're that excited about making that play, what are you going to do when you do something that's special? Because there was nothing special about there's that play. There's not much more that they could do when something does, right. does happen. Yeah. Perspective, 16 and under softball. It's yeah. not like it's 8 and under coach pitch, and it's the first time they've ever gotten a girl out at home plate or something like that, right? I mean, it's, well, you know. Not the first good throw. Right. It's not yeah. the first time that, you know, and, and, and a, a very good team. The kind of team that should be used to making an awful lot of good plays. Right. So, Don, what do you think? I know I'm always the old man on the lawn screaming at the kids and yelling at the clouds. And again, I don't want to mislead anybody. I love fun, but I also want us to have fun when fun's really warranted. No, I think you're you're spot on. And again, you watch a lot of softball, so you know you know the difference. Uh, you know when when people are are acting like they've been there and done that and overblowing things like that. Again hoping that in this instance that there was something behind the scenes that you know there was something special leading up to that and but otherwise it does sound a little bit crazy it's it's yeah. over it was over the top i thought it was definitely over the top for the for the not, kind not of really, situation yeah. not not warranted for not the situation good for your team the other team anybody right yeah. and and way more about hey everybody look at me i just tagged this girl out than it was hey celebrating that our team just did something cool yeah and so to me Acting like you've been there before idea is carries a, you a lot further. Yeah, than, but it's yeah. it's kind of a slippery slope because I think you know that that you know we also don't want the kids acting like they're so cool that nothing's fun. But we want to draw a line between acting appropriately for for what has happened. That's this girl's celebration for this play. I cannot imagine when it's the tying run in the championship game and it's a save a tough throw, handle a bad hop get a really fast girl in a bang bang play at the plate what her reaction is going to be because i don't i mean i'm I'm afraid the poor girl might you know spoil a walk-off home run or something <laughs> yeah i don't really have a, a moral to the story for this discussion but I, I want us to start to think about you know helping our players understand and helping our teams understand that yes we want them to have fun but we also want to make sure that we have a little bit of professionalism a little bit of i've done it before a little bit of this feeling of carrying myself like it's I'm a good player and I expect to do good things. So I don't have to act like a crazy person every time something good happens. Well, and I like kind of where you're heading with that, Tori, is that uh, as the adults, as the coaches, as the people that have been through some of this stuff to uh, to share with them what appropriate really is right. for each scenario, whether it's a, you know, a walk off home run, let them get around so that we're not high fiving them before they get back to home plate, and, right. you know, all those kinds of things. But, um, and just, for etiquette as well. Right. Yeah. We have to share that as as the coaches and adults. Right. And and the reaction, you know, to me definitely seemed like something personal was going on. And I think that's a very dangerous thing to have happening even because if it, it goes is. back and forth. Right. Yeah. And and those are the kinds of things that can escalate. So, um in that game it didn't happen. You know, that was the only thing like that that was really off the charts. Now, I did think that their team was generally really proud of themselves for doing some very routine things. So I was gonna say because you got mom and grandma and boyfriends and yeah. people in and, the stands. And again, too. I want I want you to have fun. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to cheer when cheering is appropriate. I want you to you know support each other and and have fun playing the game. But I also don't want you to you know. But that's where things could escalate right. out in the and, stands and and, and, yeah. and making sure that we're keeping everything in a, in a little bit more of a proper perspective. Cool. All right, so Don, that's going to take us to our coaching tip of the week. Our coaching tip of the week comes to us question from Dion. And he was talking about winter workouts. He wanted us to kind of talk about just a little bit for most teams as they head into the winter. And I'm assuming 
you know, for a lot of places, you know, he's he's in a cold weather place, sure, um, where uh, they they have an indoor facility and and limited amount of space in there. Kind of the what's most important? What do we need to do? What what we what would we prioritize? Kind of thing. No, I think and Tori, you talk about this all the time about having a really uh, detailed, organized practice plan before we go in there and having things really laid out where we can be as productive as possible with the time that everybody is given or takes uh, to be in those facilities, I think is really one of the most important things. And assessing what it is that are we talking, if we're talking really young kids, they need to be in better shape and condition. Are we talking older kids that we need to fine tune um, off speed and outside location things? All the the specific needs for our team, I think, is what we need to uh, primarily focus our winter workouts on. Right, and and then after that, just things in general to keep sharp, so that when we do get outside, that we've got a chance to hit the ground running and and not injure. You know, I think stretching, things like that, are are important because injury prevention. You know, if it is a cold weather area and we get a nice day, we're going outside. Right, and if we're not flexible and and ready to be outside, then then we kind of get in a situation where we're taking steps backwards if we have injuries so but yeah i think that it's awesome that they're taking you know the time to do a an organized group thing in the winter time for sure right. well and, and uh one question that he asks too is, is something like this should this be voluntary or should it be mandatory and i'll just tell you if you're going to have practice i think you should have practice right and i think practice should be mandatory for all players because we still know in most settings travel ball world uh, for sure that not every kid's going to be at every practice, even if it is required, there's going to be other things that are going to come up. And I think as soon as we start to make it feel like it's okay for them not to be there, or it's it's their choice if they want to be there, we're kind of setting a dangerous tone. If we're planning on being competitive, right, then it should be. Yeah. And, and honestly, any, anything that you're going to yeah. spend the time doing, I think we want to do as well as we possibly can. And so, you know, Don, you mentioned the idea of you know, coming up with a really good plan of attack, depending upon your facility, how many kids you have, it's really possible, I believe, to get a really good practice in in almost any kind of facility in almost any kind of space. You know, I tell the story all the time when I was coaching at UW Parkside, there would be times we would practice in the racquetball room. I love it. Because that was what we had to work with. Yeah. You know, we'd use the racquetball room in the little hallway outside the racquetball room and uh, it would limit very drastically what we did, but we would adjust what we were doing. And you know, we've talked in the past about you know, shrinking the game down, doing only half the field, you know, very fundamental skills, you know, tennis balls and sock balls and safety balls and all those kinds of things. When I think about winter workout, I think, you know, really focusing in on fundamental skills is job one, but with a focus on analyzing and, and working specifically on the things that each player needs to work on. And Don, you mentioned it before, if I'm really good at hitting the inside pitch, but I'm weak at hitting the outside pitch, Part of the time I'm spending on my winter workout, my coach should have determined, okay, Tori really needs to work on the outside pitch, so he's going to do these five drills as part of our hitting circuit every week because he needs to work on this specific part of his game. Spend more time. Right. Yeah. You, you might be really good at the top of the zone, but not good at the bottom of the zone. So your, your work should incorporate spending time on the stuff that you're weak at. And one of the things with you know, winter workouts or practices in general but definitely when you're not going to have a game for a while, now is the time to work really hard on the biggest weaknesses and to really focus on the biggest weaknesses because it doesn't matter if we have to feel like we took a step back to ultimately take two steps forward, take a step back now because you won't be playing for a month. No doubt. And then that gives you time for those players to 
solve whatever that step back problem was and start moving forward again so that they end up further along. And integrate it with what right. you're good at. What I don't think we should be doing, what I would not want us to be doing is focusing on just doing the same stuff over and over again that we're already good at. You know, if we set up a, a hitting circuit, that hitting circuit should be tailored to match up for each player what they need to work on. And, and you can have some feel-good stuff that everybody's good at too, but we also need to spend some time working on the stuff that they very definitely need to work on. When we talk about defensive fundamentals, you can do an awful lot of defensive skill work and fundamental work in a batting cage or in a racquetball room or in a hallway as long as you're using the appropriate kinds of equipment and you know tennis balls and things like that that aren't going to you know break any windows or whatever but focusing on that kind of stuff thinking about each player on your team what are their strengths and weaknesses the stuff that they're good at that's okay we're we're happy that they're good at it well, let's really spend our time working on the stuff that they're not so good at if so i'm, I'm yeah. dreaming about that racquetball court right now tori throwing a ball into the corner and having it tear them in different directions right. and yeah i mean and, and trying and, to and, field and, balls doing that and, that and that's a perfect example a tennis ball in a racquetball room could solve my backhand problems in in a couple of practices and reaction and, right yeah you know, as long as i'm approaching it from hey this is my chance to work on something that i'm not comfortable with that i'm not very good at somebody's um, throwing from behind me and i have to react that'd right. be fun you mentioned the conditioning component i mean i think there's it's nothing wrong with having some sort of conditioning speed and agility stuff worked into a a winter workout program for only doing it twice a week don't be surprised if it's not making a huge impact you know i think that there's other areas that might have a bigger payoff pitching and catching are things that winter workout you know now's the time you know if if your pitcher's struggling to throw a change up now's when she needs to figure it out if she's struggling to throw movement pitches now's when she needs to you know, to, to figure it out. And what, it's okay if she has a, a workout now or a lesson now or a practice now where she throws 10% strikes, but she's learning something new because yeah. there's no game this week. So if she has to take a step back, take two steps forward, now's a great time to do it. You know, the whole idea of winter workouts, I think it's, a, it's an absolute must for teams that are really serious about getting better. And I think that if you're going to do winter workouts, I would want my whole team to be there in some form or fashion. Now, again, depending upon the facility that you have to use, it might mean that break them in half. Right, that six of your kids yeah. come for the first forty-five minutes. You have all twelve of them together for the middle half hour. You know, the other six kids for the last forty-five minutes. You know, you can break them out by position or whatever, so that you can you know specifically be working on stuff that's good Innies for them. and outies, right? And, yeah. You know, so there's all those different kind of angles, but the most important thing is let's make sure that we're working on the stuff we really need to work on. And the stuff that we're really weak at and the stuff that we really need to improve because every individual player has a list of stuff that they can improve. And it doesn't matter how good they are, best players in the country are still working really hard at solving the stuff they're not so good at. And so we want to make sure that for all our players, we're keeping that uh, perspective. And for coaches, as you're laying these workouts out, making sure that you're thinking about what can we do to make our weaknesses our strengths. And maybe things that they can do at home. We won't do all those things at those workouts facility uh utilized for things that we're not able to facilitate at home right yeah. and and that's, that's another good point too so if you know say you're really weak at your backhand well guess is if we work on something on tuesday and you start to feel pretty good about it and i remind you that hey it'd be really good if you, know, you can go down in the basement with the tennis ball and keep working on it between now and saturday when we practice again we're going to see a lot better you know, results and a lot faster changing of the things that we want to change. No doubt. Yeah. All right. So, Don, that's going to wrap up episode 244. As always, please make sure you support our sponsors, the Anderson Bat Company, Bidinger and Styles DDS, Elite Sports, 
and Pinnacle Power Butter. If you can, please become a patron. Patreon.com slash Everything Fast Pitch. Again, uh, congratulations to Clay Feliciano. He's the first Pinnacle Power patron recipient. recipient. Yep. Say that three times fast. Right. And then also make sure you go to the FastPitchPrep.com website. You can order your Square Cuts training discs there. They're $49.95 a dozen. And make sure you reach out to us with Player of the Week nominations, EverythingFastPitch at gmail.com, FastPitchPrep at gmail.com. Either one of those email addresses will work. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>